This is the Berkhamsted Spotlight, the podcast showcasing a remarkable community. Today, I hope you're hungry, because if you're not, then you will be shortly. Sally Rowe is the head of food and nutrition at Berkhamsted, and she's talking to us today about, you guessed it, food. We talk all about what food tech looks like at school, the fact that more and more boys are getting into food, and we talk about food in our society, where it all comes from, why that's important, the different advice we're given, and the relevance of so-called fad diets. It's a great episode. I know you're going to love listening to it. So come with me now into the world of food and nutrition at Berkhamsted as we speak to Sally Rowe. Sally, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. Looking forward to talking to you. Good. Well, I've been looking forward to talking to you about this as well. I mean, food is a great subject. We all like to, we all like to eat food, of course, uh, but it's always good to talk about food as well. But before we do that, just tell us a little bit about how long you've been at Berkhamsted for. I joined Berkhamsted as head of food and nutrition three years ago. So I'm just coming to the end of my third year. Okay, right. And were you with another school beforehand? I was with another school before that as head of food. And previously to that, I actually had a career with Marks and Spencer where I was a food selector, which oh. is a very exciting career. So food is a real passion of mine and it always has been. I've, yeah. I've always wanted to work with food ever since I was very, very young. Gosh. So what was it about food that, that encouraged you to work in that, in that industry, in that sector? Well, I've always loved cooking. I'm a farmer's daughter, so I grew up with very good food. My parents grew all their own vegetables and we ate very well. Um, my family were all very good cooks. So I went to university, I did a food degree, and I was very fortunate to um, secure a role as a management trainee with Marks & Spencer when I graduated. And wow. that was an amazing career and I traveled a lot and I developed new products that were sold across the world for Marks & Spencer. But then I had a career break, brought up my children. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, actually, I want to pass on my love of food now to other people. So I trained as a food teacher 13 years ago. And I haven't looked back since. I absolutely love it. Great. Oh, that's, that's a really good story. I really enjoyed hearing that. Um, what was it like growing up on a farm then? Well, I have to say I was not the archetypal farmer's daughter. I never drove a tractor, but I did enjoy the country way of life. And, and were you deep in the country or, or quite close to where you are right now? on the edge of the fens actually so quite a long way away from Berkhamsted mm, mm, mm. but my university took me to London and then I worked in London so I haven't actually lived there for a very long time. Okay right so tell me then about about the food tech offer at Berkhamsted what does it actually look like? It's become very very popular I have to say um, so we teach food and nutrition from year seven to year 13 at the boys and the girls school uh, we offer GCSE food preparation and nutrition. And then in the sixth form, there is a level three diploma. So there's continuity all the way through. Okay. And the children, they absolutely love it. And when you say a level three diploma, just for the sake of people listening to this, what does that mean exactly? Unfortunately, there isn't an A-level in food available, but there is a level three diploma in food science and nutrition. And that carries UCAS points. And it's just the same as an A-level. Um, and students who have that passion for food can actually carry on into the sixth form. And many of my students in year 12 this year are actually looking at doing food and nutrition degrees, which is really, really exciting. And where, where is it that people tend to go if they're going to be taking it to university level? There's a lot of courses, Leeds, Nottingham, Reading, um, Sheffield, lots and lots of the universities do offer food and nutrition and food science courses as well. And do you find that, that more and more people are interested in 
not just the food that we eat, but where it comes from and things like that. Absolutely, definitely. And we do teach provenance of food, most definitely. Um, We not only teach our students how to cook, healthy eating is really, really important because as I'm sure everyone's aware, an understanding of a healthy diet can really help your lifestyle and help you to live longer, to be honest. So that's something that's really, really important as well. How has our understanding of food changed over the years? I'm thinking back to like during the 80s when there was a big push, if if I can remember that far back, uh, but there seemed to be a big push towards lots of fat-free products. Whereas more recently, there there have been things like ketogenic diets and paleo diets and various other things. And some of them tend to embrace fat and talk about healthy fats and stuff like that. How has our understanding changed and how does that change society? Do you know that's such an interesting point because nutrition is ever-changing and you really do need to keep up with it. And I have to say to my students as well, please try not to Google too much because there is so many controversial and conflicting opinions on the internet and they need to know what the exam board wants them to know, which is based on the Eat Well Guide and what the NHS would suggest that we should be doing, not what lots of other different people out there suggest. Because one person might think that saturated fat is good for you and another person may say, actually, that's not the case. And there are a lot of fatty diets as well. I like to think a healthy balanced diet is the best thing for everybody not cutting out certain food groups but just to be following the eat well guide really which is moderation of fats and sugars but eating whole grains and some protein and some carbohydrates balanced diet really and trying to reduce our sugar intake as well i presume absolutely we should be reducing saturated fat sugar and salt but not cutting out whole food groups or not having too much protein. I I don't agree with that. I I think it's all about balance. Okay, so tell me then about boys and food tech at Berkhamsted, because, I mean, you know, I'm thinking back to maybe grandparents' generation. Traditionally, it was a lot of women doing food tech in schools, but I understand that that's not the case in 2023. Absolutely not. The boys really, really enjoy their food lessons so much so that we're actually expanding at Berkhamsted Boys and we're getting a second food room. Um, So from September, there will be two food rooms and we will have five GCSE classes across year 10 and 11, which is really, really, really exciting. And it's so fantastic to see the boys really, really enjoying their food lessons. So where has that come from? I think they enjoy cooking. They enjoy the practical aspect of the job. They enjoy eating the food as well. I have to be honest with you. The boys really enjoy eating what they have made and coming into the food room and actually within an hour turning a pile of ingredients into something that they can be really proud of. And then if they want to, they can eat it or they can take it home. I think it gives them a real sense of achievement. From start to finish in 50 minutes, they've created a masterpiece and that gives all of our learners, a real sense of achievement. But then surely all of those things you just said would apply to the girls as well. I'm wondering if there are any external factors or or whether it's the fact that Berkhamsted encourages the pupils there to, to do what they want to do, irrespective of, of typical gender assignments. The girls enjoy their food lessons, absolutely. And we have a very good uptake with the girls as well. But interestingly, we have seen more boys wanting to take GCSE food, which is not what I was expecting, I guess, when I first joined Berkhamsted. And it's been fabulous to see. It really, really has. So tell me then about why it's important for children to be learning about food. I mean, clearly it is an important thing, but but why why do you feel it's important? I think 
it's so sad if you can't cook. I mean, our, our students are going to go out into the world. They're going to probably go to university. They're going to be fending for themselves and looking after themselves as they grow older. And to have that understanding of how to take a basic set of ingredients and turn it into a healthy meal, it's so important for their health, for their well-being and financially as well. Because if you can cook economically as well, it's, it's just such an important life skill. And having that understanding of actually we shouldn't be having too much fat and sugar and salt. And if you are just calling in burgers and having junk food or ready meals, they're all really, really generally quite high in all the things we shouldn't be eating too much of. But I'm glad that you mentioned about the financial aspect because, I mean, you know, on the one hand, it's it's a lovely lifestyle to to waft our way into Waitrose, uh, to use a bit of alliteration, and to pick out some beautiful ingredients to take them home and spend time cooking. If we're brutally honest, it is less expensive to go to McDonald's and get a Big Mac and fries or, or whatever they call it. It's, it's a hard area to compete in, I'm, I'm thinking, because... You know, sometimes people are are struggling financially. Sometimes people are struggling for time. Sometimes people are struggling with imagination or just perceived abilities to be able to cook. How, how, how do we counter all of those things? Well, I think that's why it's so important that everybody, not just the students at Berkhamsted, are learning how to cook because it doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be time consuming. We teach year nine in their first food lesson um, how to make... I think it, it's a salmon, a small piece of salmon. You put all the vegetables in a tin foil and wrap it around the salmon and pop it in the oven. In 20 minutes, you've got a meal. The, the dishes that we cook are really quick. I did a sixth form um, cooking class and it was all about one pot cooking. So we actually got the sixth formers in and said, you know, if you're going to university, you don't want loads of washing up. You don't want to be spending a fortune. So we did a whole range of recipes where you put everything into a roasting tin, pop it in the oven, go away, do whatever you need to do for half an hour, come back and you've got a meal. And we didn't use really, really expensive ingredients, seasonal vegetables, there was sort of sausages in there, but it was quick. Mm. Mm. And it used store cupboard ingredients as well. So I think it's about having, having the knowledge and some skill and the confidence as well. If you've cooked every week throughout your school life, mm -hmm. you will have the confidence when you leave to go away and actually cook, hopefully. Mm -hmm. That's what we hoped, hope for anyway. And the other thing that's really important is we're introducing our students to new ingredients. I think one of my most amazing moments was when a boy said to me, he said, Miss, I've never eaten fish before. And he just tasted the salmon that he'd made. And he said, Miss, that was really nice. And it was like, wow, you know, my, he was 13. He'd never eaten fish. Mm. So that was just... A wonderful moment, really, to think that we'd been able to introduce students to things that perhaps they hadn't tried before. And it's interesting you mentioned that boy who's never had fish, age 13. I, I imagine, and clearly I don't know his, his personal situation, but I imagine that his parents or his family or his home situation, he's probably living with people who, who don't like fish or, or just never eat fish. Therefore, they, they never introduce uh, that person to fish. Yeah, or sometimes students, they or any of us, we might have a, a misconception about a certain oh, type of yeah. food and think we don't like it yeah. because perhaps we've been introduced to it in one way. And yet, if you jazz it up with a few extra ingredients, this was a very flavoursome piece of salmon. It had lots of Asian ingredients in it. Um, but the great thing was that, you know, he tried it. Mm. And I do find the students at Berkhamsted are very open to trying new things and getting stuck in and it's great. It's wonderful. There's such a lovely bunch of students to teach. I'm very, very lucky. 
tell me something that you might know about the science of of food preparation. And what I'm thinking is sometimes you might read a, a report in the media that says that we shouldn't be heating things up in plastic containers because that can be really bad. Uh, or even, I mean, you mentioned about tin foil in the salmon, and some people say that using aluminium when we're you know f- with food is not a good thing as well. I, I I don't even pretend to understand these things, but tell me what what your thoughts are on these. I have to say, I personally try not to use too much plastic. I have my water in a, in a metal bottle, actually, or a glass bottle, because I've, like you, I've, I have an understanding that the, the plastic could leach into the food. So I, I totally agree with that. I, I personally don't think too much plastic is a good idea. I've always wrapped food in tin foil, and I personally haven't felt that to be an issue, but I would certainly be cautious of plastic, definitely. So how can we go about minimising the plastic that we use? I mean, clearly plastic is not good for the environment in the first, or disposable plastic anyway. Absolutely. Well, this is, again, buying ready meals and takeaways is probably the worst thing you can possibly do for the environment, isn't it? Because it's creating so much waste and so much plastic. If you can buy your, I mean, I have my vegetables delivered from Riverford and they're organic vegetables and they all come unpackaged in a cardboard box, but that's not everyone's, not everyone has access to that. But I think the more we can buy without packaging, the better. And the more we can cook from scratch, the better, because then you are you're using far less plastic, far, far less plastic. And I think that's really, really important. And as for, you know, water coming in plastic bottles, I, I, I believe everywhere there should be water fountains so people can fill up their water bottles. And I, I think you see that abroad more. And I would like to think that should be something we have in England, really, to stop this single-use plastic. Yeah, I'm, I, I agree with you. And I'm sure the people listening to this would agree with you as well. Sally, you just mentioned about organic food. Uh, how important is organic food in, in our diet? This is another interesting topic. And we do teach about organic food. Obviously, there are advantages to it because you are using less pesticides and chemicals. But as a farmer's daughter, I also understand that you could not feed a nation organically because there just wouldn't be enough yield. And it's far, far too expensive. The reason I buy my vegetables organically is because some of them taste better. They come unpackaged, they're fresher and they last longer. Sorry, they don't last as long. I mean, you know, you you have a cucumber and it's not packaged in plastic and you know you need to eat it in a couple of days. Otherwise, it's going to go off and the carrots start to sort of wizen up after a few days. My concern is if I'm buying vegetables from the supermarket, they last for so long. And I think to myself, why is this? What have they done to them? So I guess for me, it's not as much about the organic nature. It's the fact that it's natural. And I feel that they've just been dug out the ground. They're seasonal. They're British. They haven't been imported. So for lots of reasons, I do that. But I totally understand that's not for everybody and they can be expensive. And is it that organic food is expensive or is it that food that is treated with pesticides and mass produced has just got far cheaper in price to make the organic food appear to be expensive when actually the organic food is kind of at the original price, you could say. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. I mean, the other thing is meat. I'm extremely fussy about where my meat comes from and my bread, in fact, everything. Um, I go to a, a butcher in St Albans for all of my meat and he actually is a farmer. You can actually see his sheep and his cows and he slaughter, you know, he takes them to the abattoir and has them slaughtered. So I know the provenance of that meat. And to me, that's really, really important. And Certainly with chicken, I hate the thought of buying a chicken that's been reared in a barn in horrific conditions. So I would always buy free range or organic and the same with eggs. So where the food comes from for me is really, really important. 
and the more natural the better and the better animal welfare as well of course that's another issue as well isn't it that's really important do you think that uh, Jeremy Clarkson has done a good thing for for the world of food and farming with Clarkson's farm on Amazon 100% definitely I think he's opened the eyes of the whole nation into how difficult farming actually is and how how many obstacles farmers have to overcome and that really is how it is you know being a farmer's daughter I know that better than anyone but also what is really fantastic is he has appealed to everybody students in my class said miss have you watched Clarkson's farm my children watch Clarkson's farm it's just become because it's so funny isn't it you know and it, it's it's opened people's eyes I think to what it's really like and it's hard work it, it, yeah it certainly <laughs> seems to be hard work and and almost ironic how how he's come from a world of of you know petrol heads and and very very unfriendly uh, a very unfriendly industry for for the climate to now working in a farm or working on a farm and yeah very very different uh, very different line of work a very different line of work and i think you know he needs his advisors doesn't he he doesn't really know what he's doing and it, i do think a lot of it's staged for the camera <laughs> yeah. isn't it but it makes good viewing and i think caleb is absolutely amazing i think you know you, you've got to set your hat off to him haven't you he's such a, a great guy and obviously he knows what he's doing <laughs> okay so let's just carry on talking about food for a second um, may, maybe this is now a selfish conversation because i'm thinking about about myself and when i go out for meals and things like that what sort of things should we be thinking about when we go out to a restaurant where clearly we don't have much control over how organic the produce is or or things like how uh, how well the kitchen is maintained from a uh, from a safety point of view well, I think you can look at the hygiene rating and if you can see the five stars on the door, you know you're going to be okay with that one Ooh, from a hygiene point of view. I didn't even know these existed. You, you get that on restaurants, do you? Absolutely. All restaurants have to be inspected by the uh, local authority, the environmental health officer, and they are awarded uh, a star rating. And if they are outstanding, they get five stars. And I mean, I would be fine going to somewhere with four stars on the door. But if they aren't advertising it at all, you might wonder why. And then you can go on and find out and see what rating they've got. Gosh, I never knew that. How could you find out? I think you can Google. I'm sure you could probably look on the internet and find out. I'm sure that sort of information has to be available. All restaurants have to be inspected. So they would be shut down if they weren't meeting basic hygiene standards. So, but occasionally some are better than others. I mean, I... As you can imagine, I'm really passionate about food. In fact, my holidays revolve around food. As soon as I book a destination, I'm then looking at where the best restaurants are. Or I subscribe to the Good Food Guide. The Mich you know, I love looking at Michelin Guide. And um, I was lucky enough to go to Lenclume in the February half term, which is a three Michelin starred restaurant in Cumbria. And it was absolutely amazing. When I worked at Marks and Spencer, I was fortunate enough to eat in some very, very good restaurants because that was part of my job. I had to keep abreast of current food trends. And we would sometimes go out to restaurants and because I worked in desserts, we would order all the desserts off the menu just to try them, <laughs> just to try them and, and get ideas. So I suppose my, um, yeah, my passion for food has carried on since those days of Marks and Spencer, whereas I'm sadly paying for it for myself now whereas in those days Marks and Spencer would pay so yeah I mean I I always look at the reviews I use the good food guide app and if they've recommended it I think that could be a good place to go when I want to treat the Michelin guide I like to sort of try out different Michelin restaurants Michelin starred restaurants and given that Berkhamsted is not that far from London do you have any London restaurant recommendations 
I, I tend to not go out that much in London, actually. Sounds strange, doesn't it? I love Pollen Street Social. That's a really, really lovely restaurant that I've enjoyed going to several times. But more Meadow Sweet in Holt is a real favourite. As I said, Lenclume I've been to this year. We're going to Cornwall um, in a few days' time, actually. And then some fabulous restaurants in Padstow, which I really, really love. Paul Ainsworth's restaurant there, number six, is amazing. The seafood restaurant, Rick Stein. Where else? Oh, in... Um, I'm trying to remember now, Port Isaac, you've got um, Nathan Outlaw's fish restaurant. Oh. <gasps> that is absolutely sublime. The views from that restaurant and his fish is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. So I guess, yeah, foodie holidays, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. I'm getting really quite hungry just talking to you about this now. Uh, Sally, let's take it back into school because I'm keeping an eye on time as well. We need to bring this to a close. But before I let you go... I'd love to know, at Berkhamstead, what your remarkable moment has been. Oh, gosh, there have been so many remarkable moments. It, it really has been an amazing journey since I joined the school. I joined in COVID, so it was quite a difficult start to begin with. We were all in masks and we couldn't do all the normal things that you can do in school. Um, but I think it's got to be seeing the students absolutely loving their food lessons and arriving at the door and saying, Miss, is it a practical today? Because they love their practical. Mm. And I guess seeing the department growing, because when I joined, I think we had about 30 students taking GCSE food in year 10. We've now got 72. And that is just amazing. And the excitement of having a new food room being built. So we'll actually have three food rooms across both schools. We have a new teacher starting next year who's going to teach food and nutrition. So it's all really, really exciting mm, mm. Um, and just doing everything to keep the children and students of Berkhamsted motivated, enjoying food, loving their lessons, going away and telling their parents what they've learnt and the passing on the recipe ideas. You know, it, it's about, it's not just teaching our students. They can then go home and say, Miss, I made this, Mum and Dad, I made this and hopefully they're then cooking at home as well and loads of our students are doing food for DV, one of their skills mm, mm. and in lockdown we did some fabulous competitions and the students cooked the most wonderful things and sent me photographs and we do a house bake-off competition and the standard is so high so much going on in this world of food i i, I really am hungry now and uh sally i've really enjoyed talking to you your, your enthusiasm for food is is just infectious it really is so it's been great talking to you thank you for being here today i really appreciate you giving up the time it's been a pleasure thank you very much thank you so that was sally Rowe, head of food and nutrition at berkhamstead giving up her time to talk to us today sally super good talking to you i really enjoyed it and i'm sure our listeners did too now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.